college football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. This squad is in the house. Place at the table, college football, week three, review, drama at the swamp, it's a dud at Louisville, Mississippi State, it's a stark contrast for LSU from week one, whatever I'm saying, USC, how about drama, of course, Hollywood bringing drama, Memphis beating up on Rosen and UCLA, and with that, remember, you can always find the show, pattpodcast.com. Check us out on Twitter, P-A-T-T Podcast. Download iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And with that, a gentleman that was at the Swamp, he is Sports Illustrated's Andy Staples. Hi, what Andy. is up? What's up, dude? That was the damnedest thing I ever saw. <laughs> I texted two, I two text- teams that didn't want to score an offensive <laughs> touchdown, and of course, it ends on a 63-yard bomb. Andy was at, he was he, he lives in Gainesville. He was uh, at the Swamp yesterday with that miraculous, I mean, was, I texted you at halftime. These two teams are gross. And they were. They were. Let's, let's not let the ending obscure what actually happened. We well the ending was I mean Florida Tennessee so twenty six twenty as time expires Tariq Cleveland hail Mary from Franks let's just okay so it was McIlwain sandbagging why didn't he use a timeout prior okay so here's my theory on that I I think he ran that ball and and everybody booed and I bought into it too I thought oh they're playing for overtime I thought it was maybe a little bit of sandbagging but also he wanted to get the first down. So that they weren't running a fourth down play with the risk of giving Tennessee the ball back. Okay. So they got a first down. They have nine seconds to go. Then, and this may be overthinking it or giving him too much credit, but it did wind up putting Tennessee's defense in a very awkward position because if there's four seconds left, if you just put eight guys on the goal line and just stop everything that comes in there, if there's four seconds, you know, if there's, if there's 15 seconds left, you, you just try to keep them out of field goal range, but they were nine seconds left and they had a timeout. So they could have conceivably thrown a 30 yard pass, gotten out of bounds. And Florida's kicker, Eddie Pinheiro has a big leg. So they could have kicked a game winning field goal doing that. Now, once Frank's got flushed, it was going to be the last play of the game. I think it was purposeful. I really do. McIlwain and Jones were just getting clowned the whole game, deservedly so. You know what's so interesting? Because you kept on bringing up, can Florida find a quarterback in the McIlwain era? Because is that one play now catapult Franks into maybe we have something here? Maybe. Now, remember, he threw a pick the series before that almost cost them the game. Yeah. So let's not, let's not go crazy yet. But, yes, he's a redshirt freshman. He's a young guy. Let's see how he does. Get, give him a chance, and maybe he improves over time. And by the end of the season, you have a good quarterback. Too bad, seriously, to the SEC East, like we said, coming into the year, the class of the SEC East is Vanderbilt, and then the rest of the teams are going to have to I told you that goddamn Kentucky team was going to go to Williams-Brice. I, I agreed with you. I, I don't know why South Carolina can't beat Kentucky, but it, it's become a thing. It is an official thing now after four consecutive games. The Gamecocks keep Mark Stoops employed. 
that's his win. <laughs> like every, it is literally every year. A huge buyout keeps him employed too. But no, I mean it, that's that's it. Now, if he can break the streak against Florida, because I could see Florida getting all you know up in the air, like, hey, we we got this, we're good now. It's going to be all good. Offense is working, and they go to Kentucky and and just fall flat. Of course, we're referencing 18 Kansas State went to Vandy and Derek Mason and that Vanderbilt team, 14-7. So it's always yeah. going to be about defense. But let's go back to the game where where you were at the Swamp. Butch Jones' game management and their red zone execution is uh, putrid, to say, say it kindly. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. You have one player that the opposing defense can't stop. John Kelly. You have the ball first and two feet. First and goal from the two-foot line. So what do you do? You throw a fade into double coverage. And you get bailed out. I hate the fade. I love the fade when it's single coverage and a tall receiver. I don't love the fade when you could just hand the ball to John Kelly. And and he scores. And they win that game if they score that touchdown in the third quarter. Would have made it 10-6. to And I guarantee you they would just play keep away the rest of the game. John Kelly runs out the clock. Well, actually, I don't guarantee that they would have done that because they would have had to think to do that. Like, <laughs> and I don't know. I think they overthink themselves, though, because we asked Butch Jones after the game, not, not about the third quarter one, but the fourth quarter one when they get the ball first and goal from the nine. Why don't you hand it to John Kelly? Why did you throw the ball three times? Because How you dare hand, you? If you hand it to John Kelly, you have the added benefit of it runs the clock. So Florida doesn't have time to throw a 63-yard pass. But no, no. Florida was in cover zero, all out, run blitz. Okay, that's true. Florida's defense was gassed. They were not going to stop John Kelly if you hand John Kelly the ball. And look, if you hand him the ball, and and let's say they do. Let's say somebody beats his man and they tackle John Kelly for a two-yard loss, which would not have happened at that point in the game. But let's say they did. Okay, throw twice, kick a field goal. Right. You're in the same place, but you run another 35 seconds off the clock. 19 rushes, 141 yards for John Kelly. He was a stud yesterday. How about this, though? Butch Jones, a coaching life. I swear when he was at Central, it was like, remember Brian Kelly leaves Cincinnati. He goes there. There really was buzz around Butch. He ends up in Tennessee, gets a bunch of JUCO transfers, and then he recruits well, and, well, here we are. It was like uh, the game, it just the way he managed the game, what you just referenced. But more, I can tell you who he is. Who? He's Ron Zook. That's what hit me last night because he was standing about 50 yards away from where Ron Zook used to say all the same things. For example, Ron, like what, like, what do you mean? Everything's correctable. It's correctable. We called Ron Zook Captain Correctable. Nothing ever got corrected, but he said it was correctable. Well, it was corrected by Urban Meyer, who won two national titles. So Butch, very similar situation where he brought, he's brought in a ton of good players. Tennessee is talented, but Tennessee is not good, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. What is, so, what's his contract situation? Uh, it would be expensive to buy him out, but I mean, they are prepared to do it if they have to. I, I, I talked to John Curry, the new athletic director yesterday before the game. I know he does not want to make a coaching change. He does not want to be put in that position, but I I have a feeling they're going to get put in that position because Jones, you know, if they don't beat Georgia, 
at the end, you know, next Saturday, a week from Saturday, they will not win the SEC East because if you've lost to Florida and to Georgia, and you're going to lose to Alabama because they're on your schedule and they're Alabama, that means that Florida or Georgia or Florida and Georgia would have to finish four and four in the league for for you to be able to win, and that's not going to happen. So. They have to beat Georgia to stay in the race for the SEC East. If they're out of the race for the East on September 30th, that's that's possibly that's probably just too much. And even just in, with Florida, now Florida walks away obviously a, a win that was much needed. But even if you're Florida, that like the, you were up 10 late, obviously. Uh, just kind of kept on keeping that door open. The Franks pick you mentioned. It's not like McElwain's today thrilled with his team. No. And that's the thing, it, the people – McIlwain's not getting any questions right now because they won the game. But had they lost the game, Jones wouldn't be getting any questions and McIlwain would be getting destroyed because they've got a couple freshmen. Named, one's named Kadarius Tony, one is named Malik Davis. Those guys are explosive. Tony is the most explosive guy with the ball in his hands at Florida since Percy Harvin. Hmm. And they only gave him the ball a couple times. Now, Davis – had a, what should have been a 74-yard touchdown. He got the ball knocked out at the two, and it, got, it squirted out of the back of the end zone and gave Tennessee the ball. That, gave, that would have sealed the win had he been able to cross the goal The line. fact that that was called a touchdown on the field was hilarious. That was like yeah. at the five-yard line. But it was, a, it was a fresh – I mean, but that was a freshman mistake. Right. Give that dude the ball a lot. He's good. Wow. So it's so the vibe there in the locker rooms from Jones was, we're going to fix this. Don't worry about it, boys. We're going to fix it. And McIlwain, I'm guessing, just a breathing a sigh of relief. Oh, he's happy. Well, and the thing is, McIlwain does have some kernels of hope. There's some reasons for them to, to hope that the offense will be better. And one of the things that, that he was most impressed with was the way the offense just said, said look, we're not going to overthink things. We're just going to go out here and play instinctively, which is the exact opposite of what Tennessee was doing. Tennessee, uh, Barrett Salee, my friend at, at, uh, at ESPNU Radio, he, he said very well that they are basically overcoached. Like, they just, they're, they're very robotic and mechanical. And you don't make magic when you're robotic. The only one who makes magic is John Kelly when you hand in the ball. And for whatever reason, they refuse to hand him the ball inside the 10-yard line. We mentioned uh, week two, those four monster games. So the, the, not necessarily a standalone because you had Texas here in Los Angeles with USC, but game days there, the biggest per game in Louisville program history. And by the way, Louisville had played Clemson tight. Like These games in the past three years or so, had they played them uh, pretty tight. Uh, but Clemson at 14 Louisville, and uh, it was a straight-up ass-whooping. It was. It was... You know, I, I thought Louisville would, would do a little bit better, but Brent Venables had a very good plan, and it's basically don't blitz Lamar Jackson because my four can beat your five almost every time, and we're just going to sit there and, and cover all your receivers and give him nothing to throw to. And, oh, by the way, he's not going to be able to run by Christian Wilkins and Austin Bryant and those guys. Uh, that's, there's not many teams in the country that can do that, but Clemson can, and that, that defense is just dominant. And, you know, you saw the dam finally break with their offense. Kelly Bryant, man, he he's good. He's very good. The, the, the dude. Okay, here's all you need to know about Clemson. Travis Etienne comes in, 81-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. He's a true freshman. He's from Louisiana. He's either their third or their fourth tailback. <laughs> That's hilarious. He would start for 125 teams. 
Clemson, and, and you know what's the deep, whether it's Wilkins, that defense, it looked like Jackson was a little uncomfortable in the pocket, but you've mentioned it leading up to this. Petrino hasn't had an offensive line, and it was dubious, of course, coming into this game, and it's just no match for that defensive yeah, front. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's actually better than it was last year, but there's not an offensive line in the country that's a match for that defensive front. And this is place at the table. Clemson setting a place at the table for a national championship three match. That's right. Your I don't think Austin. I don't think Austin Bryant has put his head through any any car windows though. So. <laughs> but they're they're damn good. And they're amazing. The, yeah. And the question was Kelly Bryant, and the, I think he's pretty much answered that. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't know I, much about Louisville's defense. To be Deshaun, fair, so. Deshaun Watson tweeted last night that Kelly Bryant's going to be better than Deshaun was. He looks the part more even than Cle just as far as build. He does. Deshaun's a little bit slight. Yes. But Bryant is a is a big dude, uh, and. Bryant, though, is one of those guys that they just found and developed. He's, a, he's an in-state kid. He's not very heavily recruited. Clemson was by far his biggest offer. Uh, and he beat out two guys that were much more heavily recruited in Zarek Cooper and Hunter Johnson. And now they got, uh, they got Trevor Lawrence coming in who looks like sun it's not, he, he looks a little like Sunshine from uh, Remember the Titans, but you don't know movies. I know, but, I know Sunshine. They have long blonde lettuce. He has very long blonde hair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He actually looks a lot like Spicoli. Okay, that Another works too. Movie reference, but I know yeah. him. I know him. Sean Penn. Yes, correct. Hey, um, it's but the, but the Lamar Jackson thing is going to be discussed ad nauseum. But this to me is a game that really shows the value to the program of Jackson. I mean, Clemson's on another level, and the fact that they're even in a position to host that game, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Jackson, I, I texted you yesterday. I said, "Is he was Vic a much more polished passer coming out of college, or a, or, or just a more polished passer?" You said more polished. Just he's more, yeah, not much. He's three and a half no. inches taller than Vic was, and the arm strength. There, I don't know if the accuracy is there, but you don't want another college quarterback on the planet right now than Lamar Jackson if you have to I, win a I game. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be just fine, and that's a, yeah. The, the thought exercise I like to play with people who who are like, I can't believe Lamar Jackson wouldn't hide. I'm like, okay, put Lamar Jackson on Alabama. Do they ever lose a game? No chance. Do, do they ever? Does anybody ever get within three touchdowns of him? No chance. Yeah, he put up five over five thousand yards last year. Yeah, I mean, he put up big numbers last night, and they were getting shelled. So he was doing everything humanly possible. He had that one play where he, you know, squirts through the middle for like 51 yards, and he gets called back because dude, completely away from the play, chop blocks somebody. Decide, okay, I'm going to take a shot at this dude's knees. Right. And, they, and it had nothing to do with springing him, but it cost him that play. I mean, that's, he can do that every play. He's a threat, even against a defense as good as Clemson's without much help. So just imagine when he's got help. This is one of those cases where I don't know that he winds up being better in the NFL because obviously his ability to run is not going to be as helpful in the NFL. He's going to have to use it to keep plays alive behind the line of scrimmage. But in the NFL, he'll be in a position where his team talent-wise is almost the same as the other teams that he's playing or you know, a little better or a little worse, but very close. Last night, there's no comparison between Clemson's talent level and Louisville's talent level. I, I'll take my chance. I don't want him as a wide receiver. If I'm a team in the NFL, I'll oh, take well, I'm my chance. I'm taking him as a quarterback. Of yes. course. 
Um, now, I usually try to get the picks from the dudes in Vegas, but on our our little show here, Place at the Table, I, I've been given picks. I gave you Georgia. That was a winner. And I said, if you can get Mississippi State at home catching seven or seven and a half as LSU comes to town, take it. 37-7. I LSU. did say take Mississippi State, but I said LSU would win the game and Mississippi State would cover. That's... And, now, and now I'm I'm still feeling like a moron because – Mississippi State beat the they worked them snot out of LSU. They worked them, and the narrative and, was was obviously outcoached. Your boy Ogeron. Oh no doubt. No. Well, and why and, is that? Can you tell us why? Have I, have I gone on my Dan Mullen spiel? You love you? Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen's the second best coach in the SEC. Wow. No, I, I look at what he's done. Look at the people he's developed. How hard is it to recruit to that place? Wait, you pronounce Mullen Muschamp? Or Moschamp Mullen? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, because one's had a lot better quarterbacks. He, he. Okay, so second best, and why? What makes Mullen a special coach? He develops talent. He has a great eye. So Nick Fitzgerald was offered a scholarship by Mississippi State before he even started for his high school. Nobody else saw what Dan Mullen saw. A monster. Yeah, I mean, that. Remember, we talked about this earlier. If Fitzgerald ever developed as a passer, he was going to be unstoppable. Well, it looks like he's gotten better as a passer. Now, we'll see because LSU's defense was just – I will say Mississippi State's offensive line looked really good. But the pe- LSU, penalties, couldn't get going with guys. Undisciplined. Giving yeah. up f- almost six yeah. yards a pop on the ground. They were just bad. Yeah. BYU might, be, might, BYU might be the worst team in the country. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even cross the 50 against them, so – but yeah, that's it, it's it's strange to see that. But I guess LSU, you know, I, I had Clay Helton fired at this point last year, and that's why I'm a little gun shy to to just go all in on them right now. But you cannot have that. And and look, if they are going to be bad on defense, Syracuse coming to their place is not good for them. Eric Dungey can play, and that offense is weird. It's 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 the old Baylor offense. It's the the Bryles offense. If they get undisciplined playing against that that offense, they're going to have a problem. Now, the thing, the way to stop that offense is your four beat their five, and you can cover one on one on the outside. LSU corners against Syracuse receivers, they're probably going to be able to cover one on one on the outside. But you know, then they get Troy. But then they have at Florida, Auburn, at Ole Miss, at Alabama. Damn, that's a that's a tough stretch, and look the way they played yesterday, they they're not winning at Florida. I don't know about Auburn. I know there's not going to be much scoring in that game if if the two offenses keep playing the way they are. Uh, Ole Miss, I don't know, and Alabama would kill them if they play like that. Okay, I can't conceptualize the Ogeron thing. He's got two plus coordinators mm-hmm. everywhere he's been. It's like the dudes love him. He's the best recruiter on the planet. But yeah. that was I mean that last night it was an undisciplined team seemed to be getting beat up a little bit. I I don't get the, the Ogeron well, it's, thing. It's strange cuz they weren't undisciplined last year when he was the, the interim and USC wasn't undisciplined when he was the interim there. So I don't understand why I Penalized for over 100 yards last night. Oh, my God. Well, the, the two targeting targeting penalties yep. that were also roughing the passer at the same time, like completely unnecessary, taking shots at Nick Fitzgerald after he's thrown the ball. Why? Why do why you do that? <laughs> why do you do that? Exactly. And now those two guys are suspended for the first half of the Syracuse game. They were they were one injury injury away from not having a fourth defensive lineman, from having to do like a three, three, a three you know, 
three five five. What I, I can't do math, but like a three four five kind of stack deal, right? Three, or three three five. Sorry, I can't. I, I dude, I, I, you're putting my brain in a pretzel yeah, right now. Three three five. Pythagorean but, theorem type yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that's what they were on the verge of, and they're they're that's not what they are. I mean, they'll occasionally get in an odd front, but that's not what they are. As we bring you the week three review, we've got the late NFL games going on here at the place at the table studios. Gurley just punches one in for the Rams. W- did you think it's Gur- amazing when you give the ball to your best back on the one yard line? Butch Jones. <laughs> Pay attention, Knoxville. Mike Bobo didn't do this at South Carolina with Gurley that one time. No, he did not. Did you think Gurley coming out was going to be on another planet? I knew he was really good, but I, I've gotten to the point where I never believe in any running back coming out because the NFL just eats those people yeah, up Yeah, he so hasn't badly. been good as a pro. He really hasn't. Even when he's been healthy, he hasn't been good. Oh, he was good the first year. He's he's, really he was good his year. first three games, I believe, of his rookie year, and yeah. he hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game since then. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to succeed. In the you have to be so special and have such a good line. Their line's not good. You know, Zeke Elliott does well because he – He's really good, and he runs behind the best line in, in football. You know, it, it's so much more important in the NFL. In college, you could have a, a transcendent running back who can make a bad line look okay or make them look good even. But in the NFL, you can't hide that. You either block people or you don't, and the, the holes close very quickly. All right, let's back up for, uh, yesterday. So I'm watching Memphis-UCLA, and we get to, we'll get to more in a second. But I'm watching, and I'm like, hey – that's the dude that was always standing behind Todd Graham going nuts. That was mm-hmm. the old offensive coordinator at Arizona State. Now, Rosen, the people love to jock Rosen. He, those, the two picks, including the pick six, were on him. Yep. And he got outplayed by Riley Ferguson. Riley Ferguson, who I try to remember what he, where he was working. A car wash. Or no, landscaping, a car wash, like, something like that. Yeah, he was doing. He's doing like a very you know manual labor type job, and people had no idea who he was, and like didn't realize he'd been a scholarship quarterback at Tennessee, and like, oh yeah, this guy can still play. Six touchdowns in a pick. But here's the thing: American team and the Pac-12, and there was no every time UCLA punched, they got punched back by Memphis. It didn't look like a Power Five and a non-Power well, Five like, team. So after UCLA beat Texas A&M. Everyone's like, oh, UCLA's... No, no, no. No. It just meant both those teams were bad. Which, by the way, not bad, but the USC-Texas game, I'm not looking at that as a, as evidence of Texas's improvement. I'm looking at that as perhaps USC's not as good as we thought. We And, and the Stanford loss could even... Uh, Stanford, Stanford losing to San Diego State further reinforces that, yes. Oh, okay, so in, at least more as a defensive coach, because he'll figure it out. He, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, You know this, whether it's Hunley or Rosen or whomever, when he's had an offense here uh, in Los Angeles, he hasn't had a defense. And uh, I thought Memphis was... Uh, this sounds great. I thought Memphis seemed just as skilled in, in certain areas. It was weird. Now, Memphis has the ability to get good players. There are tons of great players in Memphis, and they get a lot of, you know, they get some transfers that are good, and they, but they also, like, the receiver who's a walk-on, like zero-star walk-on. Yeah. They just develop, Fuente was a very good coach, and it turns out Norvell's a very good coach, too, because look at what happened to Arizona State after he left. There are those moments where you realize that somebody was the brains of the outfit. Right. This is one of those moments. 
Seems like they had a little bit of a home field situation going on. I know it's a big deal to host UCLA, but it was a good atmosphere. Yeah, they like their football there. You know, you get you got fans of all kinds of different programs, and I would imagine even some non-Memphis fans who are just maybe they could be Arkansas fans or Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Tennessee fans were like, "Hey, UCLA's in town. This is cool. Let's go to the game." All right, so you mentioned USC. This was a late one last night. Um, ended up being Texas at USC. This was, a, what, 12 years later from the BCS championship game. Yeah. Um, but I was on with VEASAN promoting the podcast yesterday, and he said, what do you think about this? I was like, I, I take Texas in the 17 points. I'm guessing USC yeah. wins, but take Texas. Herman is going to have that team ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um Good run defense from Texas. The the difference between Maryland, the game, when I was watching, Maryland was just doing what they wanted to that Texas defense, and the Texas defense played a lot better, especially against the run. I was thinking about that. I, I think it's because Darnold's not a threat to keep most of the time. So they didn't have to worry about two different guys. They just had to worry about a handoff to Jones, but they didn't have to worry about Darnold potentially. Now, there were a couple times when Darnold did – did scramble and I was going to say, you're just taking shots at Darnold. You love the Darnold. No, no, no. The deconstruction of Sam Darnold was in full effect last night. If you, if you were watching NF, or looking at NFL draft Twitter at all. Yeah, of course. Like I told you would happen. Now, the thing is the deconstruction of Josh Allen. Josh is Allen is just it's all of a sudden Hindenburg. Very thorough. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then Josh Rosen, he got picked apart yesterday too. So I, I'm assuming the no NFL team is going to take a quarterback next year at this rate. Jake Bentley probably comes out early. The um, okay, <laughs> he did it, he did it in high school. He did he did he did enroll early at South Carolina. Okay, so the the Darnold thing. What I do like about Darnold, and I was listening to the pregame, the radio pregame here, is he just never throws the ball away. He always had, there is a knack. He wasn't his best game yesterday, mm-hmm. but that, those I mean those are four star recruits on the other other side right. of the ball for Texas. Yeah, he makes he keeps plays alive with his feet. He's he's not super fast, but he is elusive in the pocket. And then he finds somebody to throw to. He's really good at finding somebody sitting down. And and I would imagine it's a case of he he and his receivers communicate very well. But he'll find somebody who will just go go you know grow scram, scramble drill on him and sit down in an open spot, and he'll find him. And a lot of quarterbacks never master that, but he's he's got it. So. The, but the thing is, I, I mean, look, Texas's defense, especially their pass defense, has not been good. Why are they suddenly good against this team? And then you saw Western Michigan, and then you saw what Stanford did last night against San Diego State. The evidence is mounting that maybe USC's not as good as we thought. Or and, just there's more of a separation with Clemson and Alabama. Right, right. I mean, they're still good. That's that's the. I'm not, I'm not trying to say they're bad. That that they're gonna, you know, stumble and be a seven and five team. But we were handing them the Pac-12 title and and placing them in the playoff. And I'm not sure that's what needs to happen. Now, I these next two weeks are going to be really interesting for USC because at Cal is suddenly looking really interesting. Yeah, three and zero. The Cal just yeah. beat Miss uh, late last night. Pac twelve after Ole Miss. beat Ole yep. Miss. And Ole Miss is a good. Ole Miss's defense is not good, but Ole Miss's offense is is plenty good. And Justin Wilcox, 
He knows what he's doing. I mean, they have an offense, and if you have a guy they brought Wilcox over, defensive coordinator from Wisconsin, if he can do anything with that defense, then all of a sudden you have something. Well, they also have Tim DeRuiter coaching the defense. He was the, the head coach at Fresno State. He was a defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. He's, he's been around the block. He's been the defense coordinator at Air Force. Um, and then they hired Bo Baldwin to run the offense. Bo Baldwin was the Eastern Washington head coach. So they, they've got a lot going on there. Oh, tough spot for Ole Miss this year, too. So you got to give them credit for traveling west with everything that's kind of hanging over them. Even, I mean, it's not like Cal's a great team, but they hung in. No, I, I, I think they did fine, but that Cal is, has started this season this way, given what they had been, I think they're, they're doing really well, and I think they're going to give USC a game. Now, the even more challenging game for USC, I think, will be the Friday night in Pullman against the Pirate of the Palouse, who you talked to on your, on your Sirius <laughs> XM show the other day. Yeah. Uh, that's a challenging spot to play in. I don't like – you never want to be a road favorite on a weeknight. No. That's a bad spot to be in. So we'll see how that – I mean, the thing is, if Washington State can't protect for its quarterback, and that was what Leach was all upset about after the Boise State game, USC is going to dominate anyway because they're, they're just not going to let – Washington State get a pass off. But if they can protect, that game's going to get interesting. All right, we're going to get into some randomness throughout the day, including what's happening in Nebraska and Oklahoma State. Oh, Nebraska. But quickly on Leach, who I had on the Rap On Series XM uh, last week. Uh, the dude's wild. He's legitimately weird, and he's he's really funny. There's some, oh, yeah. he's, there's some funny lines where you can tell he's leading into things, and he's mm -hmm. kind of a step ahead. He's a pretty funny dude. He's practiced a lot of that stuff. The <laughs> shtick? He, yeah, he, he runs it. He loves you, by the it, way. It is, well, yeah. He said something like, oh, Staples? Yeah, you get Staples away from the professional. He said something where he was just like, <laughs> maybe that you'd like to get loose or something. Oh, every once in a while. Up in Pullman. I'm known to drink a cocktail or two. He's funny though. No, he was. He's talking oh, yeah. about meatloaf. I asked him about that. So <laughs> I asked him about the sovereign thing. His line was, "Yeah, you put ketchup on it. That means you don't like meatloaf. That means you like ketchup." And he's just going off. He went. A, oh. The sovereign thing was like a 15 minute dissertation. Oh yeah, he 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 has a speech planned and everything. But he runs these things. I think he runs them past his quarterbacks. Like I think quarterback meetings start out with just a Mike Leach dissertation on something. And Luke Falk and all of them are just sitting there like, okay, coach, let's just can we watch practice from yesterday. Well, against Falk, against Boise State, Falk got yanked, and that kid came in and played really well. Yeah. Then Falk came Falk's back good. against Oregon State's just lousy defense and lit them up. Yeah. Is think, Washington State any good? They're all right. They have uh, the best-named person in college football, Hercules Mata'afa. Yeah. So, who, who's like a two-star kid that's, ball, he, that's balling for he's him? He's a 240-pound defensive tackle. It's incredible, and and nobody can block him. How, how about earlier as well, like a two hundred I don't know how many pounds uh, quarterback Mason Rudolph. Now I don't know what's happening with Narduzzi and Pitt, uh, but he essentially threw for almost five hundred yards and five touchdowns in the first half. And yeah. Mason Rudolph, who you love, you like Oklahoma State to make the playoffs. Absolutely. But now all of a sudden, Mason Rudolph, Twitter is the dumbest thing ever. Anyway, he was now he's the Heisman leader because of the first half. So there you have it. Well, I, I picked Mason Rudolph to win the Heisman before the season, that, and so. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So now I there were some plays yesterday where I was impressed with his mobility and his escapability, which is something that I, I guess I hadn't really noticed before because in their offense, it's usually catch the ball, throw the ball. 
So weird for a Narduzzi defense, though. Not not compared to last year. I mean, they couldn't stop anybody throwing the ball last year either. So yeah, the difference is last year they could do something offensively. Oddly right. enough, they had Matt Canada, they had Nathan Peterman. It, it's a very different deal. Connor. Yeah, it, it's. It's strange to see that because it was strange to watch Matt Canada's offense not look like Matt Canada's offense last night in the LSU Mississippi State game. Like, where was all that stuff they practiced? You know what, though? Here's the thing. I love the feel-good story you wrote for Sports Illustrated about Ogeron. He's kind of a cult-like figure. I'll take a Fuente. I'll take one of these young, uh, adjusted, like, new-age dudes uh, 10 times out of 10. Jeff Brom at Purdue? Uh, think well, think about what see, he's doing, but you knew that was going to happen. Brom? Not like this. I thought he'd be pretty good and get him better. They destroyed Missouri, and I know Missouri's bad. I get that. But they were. They but were they killed them. Yeah, they were within a touchdown of Louisville. They they killed Ohio, and Ohio whipped up on Kansas yesterday. And I know Kansas is not great, but that's a that's but a my, MAC team crushing a, a Power Five team, and Purdue crushed them. So Purdue, Michigan, sneaky good game next week. And and really, you know, Purdue's loss was to Louisville. But the thing about Brom or whomever, a Fuente, I want a forward thing. The offenses constantly yeah. have to evolve and keep ahead of the defense. That's yes. just the way it is. So I want a guy that's ahead of the curve, part of the evolution. And these are also guys that are very hands-on. Fuente, yeah. Yeah, hands-on with the quarterbacks. They're very involved in the game planning. So that's, you know, Ed Orgeron has said he's – He's working as a CEO type coach, and I, we'll see. That that has worked in the past, but I don't know if it works now. All right, so I asked you, give me something witty to say, Staples, and you had a great line about what's happening at Nebraska. The floor is yours. Well, and I've said this many times. I am convinced that Sean Eichhorst, the AD at Nebraska, fired Bo Pelini because he was getting tired of being yelled at by Bo Pelini. And then he turned around and hired the nicest coach in college football, Mike Riley, to make sure he'd never get yelled at like that. And now he's not getting yelled at, and they're losing. Because Mike Riley was not doing great at Oregon State when they hired him. He's, he had had good seasons at Oregon State. The second time or the first time? The second time. There had been a couple. But none recently. And I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't imagine what Eichhorst was thinking other than I want to hire the exact opposite of what I just fired. Well, what you just fired won nine games a year. They're going to be lucky to win five this year. You had a guy dropping F-bombs, and now this guy's golly G. You know what I mean? But right. it, it's, it's a little bit in the same vein as Ogeron in the sense that Riley's been doing it forever, a wonderful reputation as a dude. But what gets, what gets you excited about that? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Eichhorst was thinking other than what I just said. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And if that's what happened, then you need to fire Eichhorst because he's he's not qualified to hire a football coach. They lost to Northern Illinois, a really good program over the past seven or eight years. But However, not recently. And not recently, and they lost at home to Boston College, and Boston College is doo-doo. Right. So, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Boston College, but that's kind of, you had Northern Illinois at home. And what is it, Tanner Lee? I was watching that game, yeah. and he threw, I, I think he had more picks and completions. He was he bad. Yeah, two pick sixes. Here, they want to run, you know, kind of a West Coast offense. They don't have the linemen to run it. They couldn't block Northern Illinois. If you can't block Northern Illinois, what the hell is Ohio State going to do to you? Who does he have as assistants? Does he have forward, like, younger? Well, uh, Danny Langsdorf 
is, is his offensive coordinator, and he had been with the New York Giants. I mean, he's he's done some stuff in the NFL, so he, he knows a little bit. But the thing is, the NFL transplant types, they don't always work out because they're – Sometimes we'll be very set in their ways. Well, this is how we do it. And this is, you have to be creative in college football. And when you have a talent deficit, you have to be different. Urban Meyer's offense exists because he needed to close a talent gap at Bowling Green. Nebraska ran the option for years and years because they, they couldn't get a certain type of lineman or a certain type of quarterback. But these other tweener types were plentiful. And they could get them and develop them and create a pipeline. And, you, and, and that offense evolved. Like, Tom Osborne's offense was not a straight triple option offense. The ones that just, the, the, when he won the two national titles in 94 and 95, that offense was amazing. It was an I-formation triple option where they would run play action off the triple option. It was like the first RPO. So, RPO. That, yeah, I mean, th- it was incredible. And they were just different. They were different in a good way. And Nebraska's not trying to be different anymore, and y- you have to be. There are 25-year-olds that don't get what Nebraska meant, right? Like, no, think about no that. idea. Yeah. And in Nebraska, you can, you can speak on this. Does a team matter more to a state and a region than Nebraska football matters to to, to Nebraska? Like that is there's... Alabama slash Auburn to the state of Alabama. That's the only one. That but I don't. Comes but, close. Right. So Nebraska. It, I don't. I had a, a friend that grew up and his dad was from Nebraska, and I it was on another level even than Michigan. How much this guy cared about Nebraska football? Absolutely. I mean, it it, it is crazy how much that team dominates the conversation in the state. And the fans are getting apathetic. And when you've lost those people, I mean, what are you doing? So the, I talked to, to Sean Callahan today who runs the, the rival site there, Husker Online. And his theory is that if things continue to go poorly, they'll fire Eichhorst first, give Riley one more year to try to work things out, but then just you know clean sweep it if it doesn't work out. Now, let, let's, let's look at their schedule. They play Rutgers and Illinois next. They should win both those games. So yes. that would that would peg them at three and two right there. Right. Three and nine's on the table after that. Because they go Wisconsin, Ohio State, at Purdue, Northwestern, at Minnesota, at Penn State, Iowa. Like five and seven. Five and seven schedule. Dude, that's bottom feeding. Is, is hard with, with what they got. Like three and nine and four and eight are on the table. That Hey, but on a positive note, JT Barrett is your high. He's back, baby. JT Barrett. He's the quarterback for Ohio State moving forward. It was Army. I know. I'm just playing. I know. Um, Okay. That was, you know what? It ended up being, to be honest with you, ended up being a pretty entertaining week because what Texas was able to do, Mm -hmm. what Memphis was able to do, uh, the Clemson game was a total dud. Um, but there was, you know, some storylines that came out of week three that we weren't necessarily expecting. Mason Rudolph going nuts. There, there was some fun stuff coming out of week three. Absolutely. I thought there was a lot to talk about. I, I remember I got home from the Florida game. And that I, game, I'm that's trying right. To, trying to flip channels. And I'm like, there's too much. Because at that point, Clemson-Louisville had just started. Uh, Mississippi State was starting to dominate in, in the game against LSU. Uh, Kentucky-South Carolina was intriguing. Uh, there were there were quite a few games going on that I just I was very interested in, and you know, it's funny because next week ESPN Game Day is going to uh, 
Times Square. Yeah, why are they which, doing that? Which that's them saying we think the schedule's garbage. Right. That it's that the slate's bad. But you look at this slate, it could get really interesting. I think Mississippi State, Georgia is now very interesting. Purdue, Michigan, I said sneaky, intriguing. Uh you've got Washington and Colorado in a rematch of the Pac twelve championship game from last year. You've got TCU at Oklahoma State. So Hey, here's the deal. Game day gave up on week four in college football, but later this week, Place at the Table will drop another podcast, and it yeah, will be our will it will not. be our best of the year. Absolutely, and that we need to that that should be our theme. Like game day gave up on you, but we won't. <laughs> We've got your back. Here we go. Yeah, we're not going to sit there in front of Sabaro. <laughs> yeah, why are they doing? They're freaking Applebee's in Times Square. Sirius XM is a one block over from where they're doing it. They're doing yeah. it as like literally couldn't be more touristy. Sticky, and I love fleeking those guys, but that seems like a weird call. I'm I'm wondering, are they going to be at Bubba Gum Shrimp Company? <laughs> They're going to go to the. <laughs> All right, let's do this. It's the Power Five Top Five. People love rankings, Mr. Staples. People love to argue about their conference power. Mm-hmm. So let's just randomly, all right, rank these conferences. Okay, and you start. Who's five? Who's the worst conference in football right now, as far as the, the Power 12. Five? The Pac-12, Stanford is not helping them. ASU is is not not, helping them. Yep. Oregon State, not helping them. Uh, Washington not playing anybody is not helping. Because I think if Washington actually played somebody, we'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, they are pretty good. USC didn't didn't have much swag as far as pulling, coming out of that game. They didn't shine, so that doesn't help the Pac-12. Maryland beat Texas worse than USC did. Beat up on them big time. I agree. Pac-12, five. Power five. Number four. Who we got? Is Big, it Big Twelve? Yeah, I think you still have to put them there. But Texas I, look good, but whatever. but I think they're better. I think they're they're because they were solidly five for all of last year. Top heavy though, because Oklahoma obviously and Oklahoma State are really holding it down for that conference. And it's hard to it's hard to tell who who can potentially compete with them. We, we'll see how TCU looks next week against Oklahoma State. Maybe it's West Virginia. K State not being able to beat Vanderbilt is not. A promising sign. We said we liked SMU in the points against TCU. You had a Hail Mary. So did uh, Kenny yeah. Trill and TCU to beat they, SMU. They well to to take the lead to take the, half, the lead. At, yes, at the half, but they then they then pulled away. That so. was that was so TCU still kind of in the mix. What happened with Baylor? Baylor was. I'm trying to think right now. Help me out. They lost to Duke. Duke. They, they they looked better against Duke than they had in. The, I was gonna say. In, Losing to Liberty and, and UT San Antonio, but they still lost. And what does it mean? What does Cutcliffe, what is what he's done with Duke mean as far as perspective? Oh, it's one of the best coaching jobs you'll ever see. He won, he won the freaking division with Duke. The only other person that's on power, par with that is Spurrier winning the ACC with Duke. And he's getting guys drafted as well. Absolutely. And, and Daniel Jones, his quarterback right now, is really good. Yeah, so they, they've done a good job recruiting there. All right, backwards. Pac-12, you stink. Big 12, okay. Number three, Power 5 conferences. Mm. Are we going to go ACC? I Yeah, ACC dropping from, from my preseason one down to three. Uh, Clemson is, is the class. Now, here's the thing. We've only seen Florida State play once. It was against Alabama. My guess is Florida State's still pretty good. But we circumstantially, know, because of the quarterback, that doesn't right, help the conference right. we power. We haven't seen James Blackman play yet. We don't know what, We don't know about Miami either right now. So it could be that ACC jumps back up, but right now we have to put him there. Yeah, Louisville didn't show improve. The class is Clemson. Number two, so it comes down to Big Ten, 
SEC. Where are you go going? S I'm gonna put SEC right here. Okay. LSU didn't look good. Yeah, I, I, Florida Alabama, and Tennessee both stink. Right. Alabama's great, but not sure about everybody else. Mississippi State looks really good, but it, yeah, I, I'm not blown away by anybody else. Get excited about a South Carolina team. They get beat by Kentucky. It's kind of like, you know, it's a pretty basic conference right now. Yeah. And then the Big Ten, I, I think Penn State looks like the best team in the Big Ten right now. Ugh. What? Michigan. Oh, what about you're saying look to Michigan? No, I just say Michigan's I just, the best team. I say gross to any time Franklin is in a conversation. We didn't even bring that up last week. Not against my when, my man James Franklin. Good I think Lord. he's I think he's creepy. He also went man, in and he just took out for some reason taking shots at Pitt after the after they beat him down acting like, yeah, that's so just like, another game. It's called recruiting. Okay. Everything you do in college football is about recruiting. And a better recruiter I think is Jim Harbaugh, and I think Michigan might be the best team in the Big Ten. Well, they, they have to play offense. Except they, they are they are legitimately. Now, they played a team in Air Force. I don't know if they threw a pass, which is fine, which is what you expect. But the whole state they, of they Michigan. Threw a, they threw a touchdown pass, as a matter of fact. But how many how many attempts did they have in that game? Not, not many. And the Maize and Blue Nation is freaking out, and rightfully so, about Spate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is their Achilles heel moving well, that, forward. That's going to be the problem if they play a Penn State because even though Michigan's defense is really good and is going to slow down Penn State's offense, it's not going to stop it completely. No, I think I agree with you that Penn State is the best team in the Big Ten. I just don't want them I to I think be. Ohio State could be. I think if they get everything straight on offense and either, either Barrett gets better or they, they figure something else out, Ohio State could be the best. But how but crazy Penn State is it? Looks the best. Think right about now. this though, Andy. How crazy is it that Trace McSorley probably is, you know, it, when, even when you compare to JT Barrett or Spade or whomever yeah. of the three, I mean, that's the best quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that offense too. But yes, you got, okay, they have the best quarterback, Trace McSorley. They have the best running back, Saquon Barkley. They have the best tight end, Gasecki. That's a lot of best in one offense, a lot of best in the league. How will their how will their defense long term stack up? Penn State. It's not what Michigan's is or what Ohio State's is. But it doesn't have to be because their offense is going to score so many more points. Yeah, and we saw that uh, obviously in the Rose Bowl as well where they're just the and it's firepower another year with those same players. Yeah. They they can have good games and you saw them shut down JT Barrett because they're good at rushing the passer and forcing him to throw downfield. You know, if 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 they can stop the run game against Ohio State and Michigan, those two teams are going to struggle against them. Power five, top five, Staples, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big 12, and out here in Los Angeles, the Pac-12, rounding out the ass. That's unfortunate. It's not unfortunate, obviously, to find out what's good. Name a city, and Andy has eaten there. Choose a restaurant. And I would like to back up. We are a clean show, and ass is a clean word. Name a city, and Andy has <laughs> eaten there. A Choose a restaurant, <laughs> and he'll break it down better than a cover two defense. Let's find out what's good. The hurricane kept him at home, but he was at home for a legit reason, that being Florida and hosting Kentucky. Excuse yeah. me, Tennessee. So we find out what's good. All right, so... I could give you a place in actually I will give you a place in Gainesville because these people were doing the Lord's work before the hurricane. Hallelujah. Miapa Latin Cafe. What? It's a, Miapa Latin Cafe. It's a Cuban place. Sounds uh, Greek. 
Well, it's not oppa, it's appa. <laughs> Feels great. The appa. Okay. So they were the last restaurant in Gainesville open before the hurricane. And my wife went there and bought them out of Moro rice and Maduro's. And for those who don't know, Maduro's are fried sweet plantains. It's the best delicious on earth. Yeah. Other than mac and cheese. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Almost. Mac and cheese number one with a bullet, right? You yeah, agree? Yeah, mac and cheese is, yes. is the best side dish in the world. 100%. Maduro, Maduro is number two, though. So, and, and the Moro rice is rice and black beans cooked in bacon grease. Mm. It's amazing. So, you got that, or well, cooked in pork fat or bacon grease, however you want to do it. But it's it's outstanding. Their roast pork is excellent. I, I get the roast pork sandwich. Uh, they make a great Cuban sandwich. They make good ropa vieja, which is the shredded beef. Uh, they are just a wonderful place. And yes, within, I would say, about six hours before the big wind hit, they're still slinging Cuban sandwiches and, and Maduro's. And that's, that's dedication. Hey, real quick, can I, this is not my wheelhouse, but can I jump in on this? Absolutely. I would like, for what's good with Staples, would like to say with Maher here, uh, shout to the Cheesecake Factory. Now, it is true by the time the waiter, what? hold on now. What it is, is wrong with it you? It is true by the time last night the waiter got to the table, I looked like Ben McAdoo trying to figure out third and six. Because, <laughs> I mean, that is an extensive, extensive menu. You, you've heard the, the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. That's your Cheesecake Factory right there. I just love that place i can't get enough of the appetizers i'm like oh is this a special i mean it was unbelievable i got like asian food up front and then i got got some pasta in the middle then i finished off this kid's pizza on the back end cheesecake factory shout embarrassing no well some some would say delicious damn that's delicious the cheesecake is delicious if they just made cheesecake it'd be great wonderful atmosphere games on ipa i mean i thought i was in in cabo wabo now here's the thing i'm not that big of a snot like you you say i'm let's go to the cheesecake factory i'm going because i will find something good there their burgers are good i mean it's just i don't if you've got a book for a menu yeah i know it's not good (laughs) i know that you're diverse and can handle anything if you have yeah. a book for a menu is the way I look at it. <laughs> you can microwave anything. Hey, by the way, this is one guy that lives in a one-bedroom apartment here in Los Angeles and another guy who has an app that runs his neighborhood. One's bougie, one goes to the Cheesecake Factory. Sorry. Mm-hmm. A redneck from no, Michigan. No, I'll tell you, you want chain restaurant that, that's good that I will hit every single time? All of them? Logan's Roadhouse. Oh, Logan's is the best. Logan's Roadhouse is fantastic. Those rolls... Their steaks aren't bad. I mean, you're not. It's not a dry aged steak. It's not like you get at a fancy steakhouse. But you order the, you know, you order the bone in ribeye rare, and you get a bunch of those rolls. That's a happy meal. Hey, right by there. the way, when you hear the drum line, you know it's time for an impromptu chain restaurant breakdown. Yes. Okay. So we can do that. If you're going, let's go. If you're going, one Logan's. Uh-huh. And you know you're in the Midwest, you're in Columbus, and they're just lined up. If right. Logan's is a 20-minute wait, you got to go somewhere else. Next chain restaurant, Andy Staples. Chili's. Chili's is the right answer. That was number two on my list with a bullet behind cheesecake. Chili's is awesome. I love Chili's. I, it's it's amazing. Like Chili's, TGI Fridays, and Bennigan's were all kind of on the same level. But Chili's was so much better than the other two. What's the best Mexican chain restaurant? The best Mexican chain restaurant is called Papacitos, but it's only 
in Texas and there's one in suburban Atlanta. It's it, they have a thing called shrimp brochette, which is uh, these giant shrimp that are bacon wrapped and stuffed with cheese. Yeah. And they they serve them with uh, a drawn butter to dip them in and, mm. and fresh tortillas. If they would go nationwide, it'd be wonderful. I, another now this place is expanding and is is going to be in a lot of places. Uh, Torchy's Tacos is fantastic. It started in Austin. Well, the answer for chain restaurant, Mexican style, you can sit down at a Taco Bell. We'll throw that in there. Uh, the next one, <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about, the, like, just as we said, my family, we would go to Chil- Chili's nonstop. But when somebody did well in school, you know we where we Outback. went. We went Outback. to Outback. Heck yeah. <laughs> and if my dad, Absolutely. And if my dad was doing well. We did well, not rehearse this, by the way, <laughs> at all. If my dad was doing well, break. it's okay, kids. You can get a pop, and we can get the Bloomin' Onion before the so, entrees come out. So, Outback was my high school graduation dinner, Patrick. <laughs> that was how special Outback was. <laughs> like, that was fancy stuff. We Now, we were steak and ale people before that. Did y'all have steak and ale in Michigan? Of course, steak and ale. Now, with the cold with the cold salad bar plates. Yes. Oh, we, we would definitely do buffets. Where the buffet that we went to was, my goodness, now I can't think of the name. Well, I did. I was a Quincy's guy. Okay. Back that, in the day, the original big fat yeast roll. That's a southern uh, thing. They had a good buffet. Ryan's. Ryan's was the first one to offer all you can eat steak. So when I was a, a stringer for the Tampa Tribune, and I was completely broke. Uh, most meals were either cereal or SpaghettiOs, but on Wednesday, Ryan's had all-you-can-eat steak Ooh, on the buffet. Get it. For eight ninety nine, and now So now every Golden Corral has all-you-can-eat steak every day, but this was nobody did this at this time. So it would be the only meal I'd eat. I'd, I'd knock off work at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon and go to Ryan's and just plow down everything in the buffet. Class personified is, of course... Buffett steak. Can I get that medium rare? They look at you like, dude, that's a sneeze guard, homie. You're getting it well done. Hey, let's go to the big guy. He knows a little something about cuisine. He is Dustin, our producer here. You want to rank your little uh, chain restaurants here, my my friend? Yeah. Uh, so right off the top of the dome here, Chick Fil A has to be in the mix. That is being a fast, fast food. food restaurant that just is scratched from the whole entire. Uh, my Taco Bell is scratched as well. Let's go chain, big guy. All right, Texas Roadhouse. That's a good one. Super Texas- sneaky steaks. Really? Logan's in Texas are basically the same thing. They're the same restaurant. And uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, I like Logan's a little bit better. But either one. How do we, how do the three of us, and there's only one answer. How do we have our steaks prepared? Rare. Medium rare. Rare is the answer. Wow. Rare is the answer. The bloodier, the better. Your stomachs are just stronger than mine. Quickly, breakfast, chain, the best. Dustin, I'll start with you. Staples is the connoisseur. I'm not usually awake for breakfast, but once again, Chick-fil-A will always be my answer. I hop something. You can't say Chick-fil-A. Having a rough day right now. I know. I wasn't prepared for breakfast. You simply don't know what you like for breakfast. I I got bagels. Einstein bagels. I'm an an IHOP guy. (laughs) He just said Einstein bagels. That is not a chain restaurant. Well, it it is a chain. You're talking about it, but you're talking about sit down. You are what, Andy? Uh, I'm an IHOP guy. I'm going to freak you both out. I just go straight Denny's because their ranch is ridiculous. Uh, Waffle House. There, That would have been a great answer. Uh, yeah, Waffle House is fantastic, but uh, I like to get an omelet. I can get an omelet at IHOP. They know what they're doing. They'll get it right. I'm good. Why does the ranch taste better at the chain restaurants than it does at home? Ranch never tastes good at any time. That is where we'll end it. <laughs> 
That was the dumbest thing said on this podcast. And let's be honest, a lot of dumb things like Einstein bagels is my favorite chain restaurant has been said. And I can't even list mine. So Dustin, I'm not clowning you. Um, I don't really know how to end it with the transition from ranch is bad because ranch, ranch and ketchup is based makes on, everything better. Ranch is based on mayo and mayo tastes like despair feels. Andy, what did we learn from week three uh, as we look ahead to our preview show? I'm we getting frustrated. We learned that Nick Fitzgerald is what we thought he was. Awesome. Yes. We learned that Butch Jones uh, might be living that buyout life fairly soon. We learned you're down on USC. Yes, I am. We learned originally you were big time into him. I would imagine even more with Clemson right now. Yes, I'm I'm very much into Clemson. I, we do the projected playoff at SI. I've got them number one now. Florida and Tennessee, I'm serious. I watched the whole thing. You were sitting there at the Swamp. Two pretty basic teams right now. I would think so. Now, we'll see with Florida because they're, you've got a bunch of young guys on that offense who have some potential, but they have to actually build on it. And I don't know if they're going to. Shout to the buyout life, Jim Mora here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think that's probably. I think it's happen. run its course. Remember and last Todd, year, Todd Graham too. It's it, the buyout life's getting crowded. Remember last year, he was so surly, Jim, and then he had a, like he's had a Brian Kelly like makeover. How he's going to be nice to people hasn't quite Is he manifest. Doing yoga too. He might be doing down dog. I, I I need to be like the yogi to the coaches. Teach them to namaste. Hey, Andy Staples. You know what? He is Mike Leach's favorite reporter. And yours, you can find them at Sports Illustrated, SI.com, at Andy underscore Staples. Check us out. Place at the table. Spread the word. Do us a favor. Leave a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, PATTpodcast.com, at PATTpodcast on Twitter. Talk to you later in the week, Staples. Yes, sir. I'll see you.